0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Tell me that's not a pretty amazing dynamic. Your guide on the side. Just bring the honesty and the integrity to the game. This is the Matt Townsend Show.
2: Dr. Matt Townsend. On BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio.
2: Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm Leanna Tan, and I'm here to give you some of Matt's best tidbits to help you live healthier, happier lives you might want to brace yourself for today's topic, we are going to be reaching into the depths of our hearts and our minds and talk about a really difficult subject, infidelity. You know, growing up, my mom would always have the TV playing on this channel called TV Land, and they're all black and white TV shows that depicted what family life was back then. And when you look back, it always portrayed a cute, happy family with a mother and father who loved each other and helped raise their kids, and it seemed like... It was just expected. It was the norm of the day. And I'm not saying that infidelity is anything new. It's been happening since the beginning of time. But it does seem like it's gotten more and more common and that there are more and more ways to make it easier for people to be unfaithful to their partners. Now, our TV shows portray the lifestyles of families in the modern world, and you can rarely watch a show without seeing broken homes or fighting parents. And they seem to make infidelity look like it's just a common part of life. And maybe it is common, but that doesn't make it right. It's disastrous. It tears apart hearts and families. So the big question is, is there a way to recover from infidelity? According to Scott Haltzman, yes, there is. We're going to start off with his interview with Matt about the secrets of surviving infidelity.
1: Welcome to the program. It's a pleasure being with you, Matt. You bet. Now, when is your new book coming out, Surviving Infidelity? We're talking about spring of 2013. Oh, it's so needed, isn't it?
3: I, uh, I'm i looking forward to it. You know, the, 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 there have been a number of uh, pretty good and, and helpful books written on infidelity, uh, but I think the last time these, these books came out was probably before the Internet was even invented. <laughs> yeah, so, so the research
1: might all, not be there.
3: There's a lot of things that have been happening since then, and, and a lot of ways in which infidelity has changed, and frankly, a lot of ways in which infidelity
1: hasn't changed one bit. Tell us about that. I mean, I guess, tell us about the book and, and what you've learned. What, what is it you'd think, like we did the the story there, about these people that are already successful are willing to risk it all for more? I guess.
3: Well, you know, one of the things that puzzles people about infidelity is the whole question of whether or not even monogamy is natural. Right. And you know, why uh, why do we um, why do we engage in relationships with people? Why do we commit ourselves to one person? And how is it that people choose to leave uh, relationships and leave marriage for, for to get? Connections with people outside of marriage, and one of the things that happens in in these very powerful people, people that are climbing their way to the top of politics or of um, of finance, is part of the reason that, at least biologically, at least kind of from a Howard design, mm-hmm. uh, you, you get on top of your game so that you can get all the prizes. You can get oh, the money. Yeah. You can get the cars, but frankly, one of these natural instinctive prizes is sex. Yeah.
1: So, so, so it's, 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 it's the payoff. It's
3: natural. Yeah, you, it's, you, a, it's a payoff. You exactly.
1: deserve. Yeah, it's kind of like this is just part of being successful. Is now you can have everything.
3: Well, you know, there's, part of the debate also is is uh, monogamy natural, and if you look at the vertebrae or, or or mammals probably only about 3 to 5% of all vertebrates are monogamous. Huh. Uh, certain, like, the wolves are monogamous, and certain types of birds are. Uh, my favorite is the anglerfish, <laughs> uh, because the anglerfish, the, the, the male latches onto the female, and then her body absorbs him. Oh, wow. And now there's a monogamous relationship yeah. for you.
1: Uh, Plus but, they're a fisherman. Well, I mean, they're, so they're they're the man right. can relate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the old anglerfish.
3: The anglerfish, and so. They, they, but they, by the way, they are ugly fish. Yeah. I mean, really, who would love an anglerfish? Yeah. but Another I mean, angler. They fish. all are, really, Doctor Scott. <laughs> 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 right. but, but you see, I, I think the issue is: are, are we designed to be monogamous? And I think that's kind of defeating the, the. Getting stuck on that question is 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 tough because maybe we are, maybe we aren't. Yeah. But the fact is, we're not designed. Um, to do a lot of things, but we choose as people, yeah. as as humans, as members of society, to live in a certain way. And I really, uh, I think it's it's easy to kind of say, well, you know, nature made me do it, but we have responsibilities for behaving uh, to, to a certain moral standard, and because we, we've we made a promise to right. with one person.
1: Well, and especially when we've We've had children, we, or we have, you know, moral views or values or religious views and values yeah. that we're trying to espouse. You know, I guess we can no longer just leave it up to, am I the, am I the natural animal, or am I going— I mean, we've got to make choices to be the kind of people we want to be. And to create and a the, safer environment, I guess, for our family, for our kids, an example.
3: One of the things that happens is—and I agree, and everybody will say in principle— Almost everybody will say in the same principle, when I choose my life partner, I'm not going to go anywhere. That's wrong. That's bad. And a lot of people think that individuals that engage in affairs or infidelity are just kind of bad people, yeah, deviant. that they're bad seeds. They're deviant. And if they do it, they're always going to do it. But many of the people I've communicated with, you know, I started my research over 10 years ago mm-hmm. with the Secrets of Happily Married Men book and have done a lot of research through personal interviews and through my website, drscott.com. And repeatedly, the stories I hear are not people that planned right. on having affairs. They're people that, for, for lack of a better word, slipped into an affair. And so one of the things we need to talk about is how to prevent that from happening. Because those first steps of an affair are very preventable. And once they t- start taking off, sometimes everything gets out of control.
1: yeah, in fact, let's get into that because um it, it seems like there's the the new language of an emotional affair, and mm-hmm. there's all of this stuff going on with the internet where some of the lines are blurred. you know what what are you seeing and how do you see that the internet's starting to impact even even our our psyche in what's possible? You know It used to be you'd leave the old girlfriends and you'd never see them again till the reunion. <laughs> Now you can see them on Facebook, and there, and people are popping back into your life that maybe you've never gotten over, too.
3: I think that's a, a really good point. As a matter of fact, when you've got your first love, that first person you fall in love with, I mean, it, it imprints in you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that puppy love really kind of stays with you um, and for good reasons, you're not with that person that you had puppy right, up with, you, broke off. you went in your own direction, but it will trigger, but meeting that person, seeing that person again will often trigger those feelings. Before the internet, it was things like reunions that would start to kind of start the cycle going, particularly if it's someone you knew from before. Now, as you said, you're having a reunion with these people every day. Mm-hmm. You're searching them, you're finding them, they're easy to find. And accessibility will increase the chances of having an affair one of the the, 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 one of the prime things that will lead to an affair is having an exposure to a possible affair mate
1: right and and it seems innocuous because you may not even know what's happening but it's still reinvigorating the scripting you had from years ago
3: that's you know I I think that's a good way of thinking about about that scripting because some of it is so automatic and what happens is, you know, this question of emotional affair, I think, is worth addressing. Yeah, what is that? Because people will say, and I have a, a patient that had come into my office, and um, the, the the woman was furious um, because her husband had sent something like 50 text messages to this woman from work over the period of just one day. And as she opened up the text messages and opened up the you know in called her, her telephone provider this has been going on for months and his answer was we
1: haven't had sex yeah we're
3: not it's not that kind of relationship relax yeah
1: yeah <laughs> what Get are you off my about isn't that it's true though huh well it, it, oh, it, it
3: is true and i don't and again i don't think this guy was a bad guy no, he was no. a really really a, a nice guy but he didn't have he didn't see that sharing himself emotionally with another person, opening up, talking about, and then even teasing about things that were, frankly, were sexual. Right. Hinting at things. Innuendo, yeah. Right. And he said, oh, I drew the line. There was no, I didn't never touched her. Yeah. Uh, to which the answer is, well, that's just, not, that's just not good enough. Because you know what? If it continues on, it will end up with touching, right. and it will end up with touch more than that. Well,
1: it seems like most affairs, unless it's just kind of like an illicit Event, most of them are, they all start emotionally. You know, it's you starting to have a connection. And so, and in a weird way, having an emotional connection may be more of an infidelity than even a sexual connection. I mean, that's threatening Uh, to people. That's a big deal.
3: You are absolutely right. The usual beginnings of affair have to do with this sense of emotional connection, and now, I think rightfully you may say, but, but hold on a minute, I've got a spouse. Yeah. You know, we've spent 5, 10, 20 years together. Don't we have an emotional connection? And right. the answer is yes. But that is a deep-rooted emotional connection, mm-hmm. um, but it's not always as exciting a connection yeah. as that person that's sending you, a, a, you know, a, a, a tweet or sending you uh, an instant message. Yeah. You know. Uh, I, I think my wife's listening to the radio now, and I can say, you know, it's it's wonderful when I get a tweet from, I mean, a, you know, an instant message mm-hmm. or a text message from her. But if I were somebody having an affair, and if she's listening, I'm not, honey. Yes,
1: um, he's not. You know,
3: uh, <laughs> thanks, Matt. <laughs> I'm here for you, Scott. Uh, yes, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but if I were if I were even thinking about an affair, imagine how exciting! Imagine Ugh. how my heart would rate yep. when I'd get that text message. Yeah.
1: And then we equate that to, like, see, that's something I don't have with my wife. That's love. Or we equate it, we kind of value it more because it's even more stimulating.
3: Exactly. There's that physiologic arousal that happens, that surge of dopamine, which, you know, which we know now from researching um, chemical dependency and alcoholism and drug addiction, we know that that surge in dopamine is associated with 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 feeling rewarded and yeah. feeling high. You get the same brain flip, turn on when you get that text message, as somebody from as a heroin addict will get when he's looking at a needle yeah. and uh, and
1: a match. You're drugged up. You're feeling and, and you're wanting more. Yeah. Well, and then that's interesting because then we keep dripping the drug every time we send another text every time we're together and okay we've got to take a break dr scott haltzman we're going to come back dr haltzman i i would love you to just to give us more tools more ideas things we should be watching out for some rules we should maybe be following to to make sure we're safe from falling into infidelity and then let's also talk about how we recover if we've been bit by that bug how do we recover We'll be back with Dr. Scott Haltzman. Uh, Really, go to his website. A great resource for you. DrScott.com. Secrets of happily married men, secrets of happily married women, and the secrets of surviving infidelity. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
2: This is The Matt Townsend Show. We're listening to Dr. Scott Haltzman talk about how to survive infidelity. And I liked what he talked about in this last segment and how he said that some people try to argue that it's not natural for humans to be monogamous and that they were just trying to follow their natural instincts to satisfy their natural desires and be unfaithful to their partners. But whether it's natural or not... Humans have moral responsibilities and have capabilities to choose. They have much higher capacities for emotion and agency than other creatures in the animal kingdom. So you can't necessarily compare like that. So in this next segment, he's going to continue this discussion with Matt and answer all of the difficult questions like why people tend to leave their partners after infidelity. And do you need to stay with someone who has been unfaithful to truly forgive them? And why do people commit adultery in the first place?
1: It really is. A lot of it, like you were talking about, Dr. Haltzman, it's, you know, it's a chemical thing. um, And then it's something we start feeding. How do you, how do you, because you know this better than anybody, how do you talk someone off the building once they're on this drug? Because they become irrational, really.
3: Well, I I think that uh, it is. It's a tough job to do. And by the way, one of the points is, that you've got to get off that building if you're going to work on your relationship. Yeah. So, you know, some people will say, well, I haven't really decided, you know, whether I'm going to stay in this affair or not. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to work on the relationship, but I'm going to keep my affair mate on the side. You can't do and, that. And um, I absolutely believe you can't. I mean, there are some experts that say, well, you know, you do what you can do.
1: Well, it's like quitting but... cocaine while you're on cocaine. Well, exactly. It's <laughs> like, uh,
3: right. You know, are going to wean you? off of it. Yeah, and and it's and uh, so I think you have to make that break. Now, there, uh, the, the good news is, Matt, that there's a part of people that want to make that break. Right. Absolutely. I mean, most people don't say, "Gee, I'm a hundred percent into this affair, mate." Part of it is they don't respect themselves mm-hmm. for having an affair and for really, um, really. Doing a lot of damage to the relationship and to the psyche of their partner. They don't want, you know, a, a man or a woman who's having an affair doesn't want his or her partner to be hurt. So he feels guilty or she feels bad about that. On top of which, you know, this part of that part of the person who's having an affair doesn't even really respect the person they're having an affair with. Right. I mean, that person knew that that you know, let's say it's a guy. Well, the woman. Who's having an affair with this guy knows that he's got a wife and she's involved with him anyway you know i think part of him is thinking you're not such a good egg you're not really good for me so it's it, it i think part of the part of the treatment is to really hone in on that on that ambivalence that the man or woman who's having an affair is having and say look you know what would you what advice would you give your friend about this particular situation. Oh, that's a great, How, question. What What would you tell you know What would you tell your kid to do? Right. If If they were married and they came to you and said, "I've started seeing this other person, and I'm trying to wonder what to do,"
1: and it's and kind of him, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say it's kind of like it's hard because um, the wife. Let's just say, if if it's the husband that had had the affair, the wife is offended. She's hurt and almost feels you know justified to be ticked. To to and, and mad, and even if the husband is starting to feel like he doesn't want to be with this person he's had the affair with, mm-hmm. there's not a safe place to land, All and right. he, so he it's almost like he gets kind of wedged against the person he doesn't want to be with. So you almost need to create that safe space where we can I don't know where it's safe for him to say you know what okay I don't even want her and well, I'm sorry yeah, I mean, what, and
3: yeah. Wh- what you're talking about here is, is in, in fact, what the partner needs to do, who's found out about an affair, and it's very difficult to do. Oh, it's so hard. Because what you want to do is scream and yell yep. and potentially get violent and give the cold shoulder. Mm-hmm. And when you do all those things, what you do is you start to make yourself look less attractive. Right. And so, and it's hard. It's a hard sell. But, but my 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 clients will will understand when I say be the better choice. Yeah you know, be, you know, he's already, look, you've already got kids with him. You've already got, you know, or her, you already have you know, you have a history now, you know, be the, be the person that he'd be a fool to leave or she'd be a fool to leave Right. and And act that way instead of acting angry and uh cold all the time. Because as you point out, the person you're having an affair with is going to look better every second.
1: And, And even if you know, they're not, they, and I guess part of this too is, um, you don't. You can actually decide to work to figure things out, and still even decide to leave each other. But it would still probably be better to work to figure it out. Does that make sense? I mean, sometimes we think if if you know, do you? Ha- I guess I'll let me ask the expert. Do you have to bring the person back, saying we're going to make it work? Or the one that's been offended could just say, you know what, let's come home and try to work on this, figure it out, then let's decide if we're going to save our marriage.
3: Well, I, yes, I think the, the answer is you need to come home, uh, you need to be together, because um, that's, that, uh, you, that, that's not a 100% thing. I mean, that's there's right. some cases in which it, that, that, that just won't work out. There's too much hostility, or there's too much uh, negative feelings. Um, I don't think you need to commit yourself, Matt, no. to to working to, to to staying married after an affair happens, because I think there's a lot of ambiguity. You know, you mentioned right. you mentioned a lot of politicians' um, partners, and they, they frequently the questions I get from journalists is, you know. After Maria Shriver finds out about this, or after uh, the governor of South Carolina's wife finds mm-hmm. out about this, or Spitzer's wife, why don't they leave? Yeah. And I, can, I, I get that. I mean, everybody says, everybody says right away, if it were me, I would leave oh, I'd be the so second good. I found but out. But it's
1: complicated, isn't it?
3: It is complicated. There are a lot of reasons why people stay. So I'm saying you don't have to decide to stay, mm-hmm. but you don't have to decide to leave. Right. You, kind of, you kind of sit back and say, let me understand this better. And one thing I really want to reinforce, and one of the things my upcoming book will reinforce for folks, is that the person that commits this offense very often is not a bad person. Yeah. He, you know, he or she has done a bad thing. But um, it really it really helps to understand what drives infidelity what drives an affair and if you if you have a better understanding for that you can sympathize with the person kind of see where they're coming from and and try to build together on the relationship that you've set up with each other
1: i agree and i think it seems like too uh, i mean if we start demonizing him like their evil spawn of satan then all of a sudden how do you recover how do you communicate how do you move forward with somebody that's demonized it's yes. like we almost need to—you don't want to normalize it, but what they are is they're just humans, and they, they've they just—people the make mistakes, and the mistakes can be for a myriad of reasons. We just need to slow down, ease off on the judgment, and start to learn and get healthy. Yes. What yeah,
3: happened? But, but you don't know until you're in that situation. Exactly. So many, many of your listeners may be saying, well, if that ever happened to me, this is what I would do. Oh, yes. Uh, and yet, when it happens— you really have to to make the decision and some you know I hate to say this because I never recommend affairs for anybody, but some <laughs> people's relationships end up growing stronger no absolutely of, of the work that they did to get through it
1: do what do you think about um, telling your partner what you'd leave them for I'm kind of against right. ever laying out the script of what I would ever leave my wife for i, I want well, her I want her guessing on that one.
3: You know, I I think there's you know we, um, one of the um, you know one of the fellows that I work closely with Barry McCarthy is um, has has um, kind of focused on this in a number of his his uh, research and lectures. And what he talks about is he, that that actually it does help if periodically you sit down with your partner and say, look, here's here's the risk factors. Here's what you're going to need to worry about if such-and-so happens. Oh, good. Or here's yeah. the things that are, that are going to be unacceptable to me, so that you kind of know yeah. uh, what those things are. And um, I think it helps to keep the conversation open. Um, and it helps for, you know, plus it helps if your partner can help you see where you're starting to, to stray, because right. a lot of people don't even know it. You know, hey, you know if, if there's a particular, this is what I call the attractive person, may not be attractive to you. You know, you may not be into Angelina Jolie. That may not be what's attractive to you. But if An- Angelina Jolie is your type, and suddenly you're sitting at a dinner table with Angelina <laughs> Jolie, you know it's a risk.
1: Yeah, this and is so risky. I think, Plus, I think it's, it's Angelina Jolie.
3: <laughs> it Don't ever
1: Angelina take Jolie. your eye off of Angelina Jolie. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> but, and it, so you're yeah. saying it does kind of... I mean, it's it's um, it's good to know, because we are kind of... Gullible. We we maybe yeah. underestimate the threat.
3: Absolutely, and I think men tend to underestimate the threat yeah. more. I think women um, women are very perceptive uh, when their guys are being moved in on, and they'll frequently say to their partner, let's say let's say your your husband works at a at, at, at a uh, office, and this, the wife will say your secretary is starting to kind of. Um, do some things that are uncomfortable. Yeah. He goes, no, 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 no. It's, it's no nothing. big deal. But it, it, you pay attention when she's pointing that stuff out.
1: That's. A, I think you're right on. Dr. Scott Haltzman, can you stick through another break with us? I'll be happy to love to at the end of the commercial, Matt. Yeah, at the end of the commercial, we'll be back with Dr. Scott Haltzman. Really, he knows his stuff. You can see, find out more from Dr. Scott at drscott.com. We'll be back after this break right here on The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
2: And this is the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about surviving infidelity. One of the most difficult paradoxes of infidelity is that the person who has been wronged feels so much anger and hurt against their partner that they become hostile towards them. So even though the person who has been unfaithful may still be a good person and may be able to try to work to repair what he or she has done, they have, as Matt put it, no safe place to land. And so they leave. But is it possible to repair a relationship after infidelity? Scott Haltzman believes it can be. And in this last part of his interview, he gives some tips on how to do that.
1: Oh, you're great. And it's so good to have you on, really to have a a voice of, of reason, some knowledge about affairs. You're saying you can recover. I
3: am saying you can recover, and let me just point out a few other things yeah. before we talk about recovery. Because, you know, you talked about things to prevent infidelity, and we've been talking about some of those things. But let me just try to be clear about them. Mm-hmm. You need to set clear barriers in your friendships. So, you know, you you it it's not okay. It's okay to have a friend who is a who's of the, you know, same sex yeah. as the person you're attracted to. Right. You know, it's okay to have a friend of, of that sex. It's even okay to have a friend who's attractive. But, that, but you can't have secret relationships. You can't have secret conversations. I mean, everything's got to be in the open. The types of things you talk about, you, you, you can, with your, you know, Matt, with your guy friends, you can talk about whatever you want to, uh-huh. but the, you're off limits talking about certain subjects with people that you're Have a risk of becoming attracted to. Isn't that? That's you shouldn't be spending time with them in private situations. You Mm -hmm. shouldn't be having drinks with them and sitting in hot tubs. I mean, you may say, "But why not? I can do that with my guy friends. I can do right." But I'm saying. And you may not be expecting anything sexual to come out of those things. That's the clear thing I want to say. You're not doing it because you're bad or evil. You're thinking, why shouldn't I treat my opposite-sex friends the same way as I treat my Uh same-sex friends? I'm simply saying you can't.
1: And the secrets, the minute you're keeping a secret or you know, oh, I better not let my wife know that, the minute that's going down, you've crossed the line.
3: I, look, I can tell my guy buddies things. I may even say, "Look, I don't want my wife to know this." Yeah. But if I'm talking to a woman, it, I better not be telling her anything that I wouldn't be telling. We mm-hmm. wouldn't be telling my wife because I, I do think that um, exactly like you said, you start sharing those intimacies, and then that intimacy fosters a closer relationship, yeah. and it moves from from emotional infidelity. Uh, into, uh, into an affair, which really goes to, you were talking about, about solving the affair and what to do afterwards. And really, it's the same process, which is about building trust. Because the main thing that happens when that affair crashes down on you is you lose the trust of your partner. And, and, and the partners who's had an affair, his or her main goal at that point is to rebuild that trust. Yeah.
1: And that seems like, because we had, a lot of times, the trust that we had was such an easy trust to kind of gain, and then to have to regain it is even harder. So sometimes we don't even know how big that trust really is until it's gone.
3: Absolutely. I mean, I may not, you know, my wife may not be able to trust that I'm going to lock all the doors at night, Mm -hmm. you know, before I go to bed, or that I'm going to remember to bring in the mail. But she 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 gets it out of her mind she doesn 't have to worry about right. whether or not i 'm going to have an affair yeah and 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 because it 's a basic foundation of marriage, so in order to build trust, you need to have openness and in a lot it 's interesting that you mentioned the internet mm-hmm. and um you know with these days with cell phones and everything else um, there 's so many ways that people can sneak around. But there's also so many ways that you can track your spouse, right? And be on top of it. And once you've had that, actually, even before you have an affair, I tell people you shouldn't be hiding passwords. You sh- you should your partner should know your your code to get to your voicemail, yeah, to get to your email because there because there shouldn't be those types of secrets.
1: Transparency.
3: Transparency. Yes.
1: I love that rule, and um, and and. You know, it is a sign if we can't if we're hiding our cell phone, if we're locking our cell phone, if we're sleeping with our cell phone under our pillow, it's telling us something.
3: (laughs) Right. And people object to that. They go, well, hold on a minute. You know, I was told by my by my Internet provider never to share my, you know, well,
1: look, (laughs) this is your spouse. You're sharing bodily fluids. That's right. You're sharing a lot with each other,
3: (laughs) Not to mention the
1: three kids
3: is hey, picking up the poop and you <laughs> know right. trying to find a diaper while you're on vacation and you know I think you you've been through a lot of experiences <laughs> but people get very funny about that and and if you don't mind I'm just going to give yeah, a little scenario yeah. because you know imagine 20, 30 years ago before before the internet when like basically faxes were hardly even invented you know and imagine if your partner were to run out to the mailbox to grab the mail, run in, run upstairs to her room or his room, (laughs) sort through all the mail, then come down with half of it missing and saying, oh, it's no big deal. Yeah, don't worry about it.
1: You'd say, what's going on? Oh, it's
3: nothing. You would never, back in the days of just regular mail, think about hiding and not letting your partner see it. And and email's not any different. It's just that we've got a private box, but everybody should have access to it. And you know what? Frankly... I don't want to see my, my my wife's emails, she doesn't want to see my emails, no. because
1: we know we can. Right. See that's the difference too, huh? Once you have the trust, there's a great quote um, that says, low trust cultures pay a high tax. So low trust marriages yes. pay a higher tax, where now yes. she has to constantly question and exactly. worry and wonder. And that tax eventually wears her out, or you out.
3: And that, by the way, that constant questioning or worrying, if you've had an affair, Your partner is going to be asking you a lot of questions. And one of my rules is if your partner thinks about a question to ask you, you need to give a 100% honest answer. Specifically, when we're talking about the details Mm. of an affair, people say, well, I don't want to tell him or her everything that happened because it would hurt his or her feelings. Unless your partner is violent, you know, and, and, and sharing the truth could be physically unhealthy for you. It's going to be emotionally unhealthy yeah. for you, but unless it's physically unhealthy for you, you need to say, well, honey, since you asked, yes, I met with him or her this many times on this occasions. and this occasion. What did
1: you do? What did you do? What did you do? So and you know what? What do you what do, you the do reason reason there, Scott? Because keep asking
3: that's... over and over yeah. and over. is because nobody tells them. They don't tell the yeah. truth from the beginning. Yeah.
1: I agree. And then, and then I think it's kind of when you eke it out slowly, they just trust you less. Yep, or like when you keep yeah, getting exactly. caught, and then they okay ah okay I was there for three days.
3: That's right, exactly. People are usually only willing to admit to what's already known. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. Like, Did that's you a great text- rule. Yes, just once. Oh, wait a minute. I have your I have your records here. It looks like you texted her fifty times. Okay, okay, right. it felt it, like it, once. Right, but I never met her. Yeah, but wait a minute. Here's a hotel room. Okay, I met her, but we didn't go to the same room. I didn't touch minute. her. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. How come there uh, then, isn't that true? Oh yeah. So you have to, so of course, you're fostering more distrust. Right. And, 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 and I don't, again, I don't blame the person no. that is not sharing everything because they really think it's not going to help. But I have to tell you, it will help. It's going to be the only way to get that trust going again. And believe me, just because you tell the truth doesn't mean the trust is going to spring right. you know, out of nowhere, no. but it's a start.
1: And um, they should leave their part. I mean, they should leave the person they had the infidelity with.
3: Yeah, you can't, you can't think about your partner if the back door's open.
1: Can't serve two masters.
3: Yeah, I mean, you can't. I don't have – who's got enough time to spend with their partner as it is? <laughs> Not me. And then when you're – exactly. And then when you add to it time that you're thinking about, yeah. being with, writing, Plus or Plus the chemical
1: even, skewing yeah, that exact. takes place. Okay, uh, what else? we got about two more minutes. What else do we need to know, Doc, to, to – To overcome this, I I assume we should seek professional help as a couple.
3: Well, you know what? It helps. It it helps to seek professional help, but you have to seek the right help. Right. And I think think one of the big problems, and I'm glad you're on that subject, because one of the big problems I see is there are very few couples therapists out there that really know, A how to work on saving a marriage right. because the dynamics most of them do yeah. work with individuals mm-hmm. so with individuals it's like you're unhappy i don't want you to game. be unhappy you get out of the marriage yeah. and the second is that they know specifically how to deal with infidelity you don't want to meet a, a therapist that says okay you've been unfaithful let's talk about your early childhood oh. experiences for the first five visits right No, we don't and have that much
1: time You exactly, got to get on this yeah.
3: exactly And you want somebody that's going to say, look, yes, I want to hear about the marriage, I want to hear about the relationship, I want to hear about your early child experiences, but we need to move on and talk about this affair. And I need, here's the other thing, there are rules, as we talked about. You need to end the relationship, you need to open communication, you need to maintain transparency, and you need to set rules for the future. And unless this, this therapist knows the rules, you're just going to be going into the office over and over mm. complaining and sometimes you end up feeling worse after you leave yeah. therapy.
1: Well, th- exactly. Then all of your talking has just created worse or more negative symbols. So now you just have a bunch of bad feelings and symbols about your life and your marriage and sometimes you need you need you actually need some progress. You need some action like yeah. uh, like rules. Like if all of a sudden we have a set of rules it doesn't mean it's perfect but it's something.
3: That's right. You've never been through an affair before, so you don't know the rules. Up right. until now, you've been making it up. Yeah. You want a therapist that's going to help walk you through very specifics. And, you know, in, in, as, as your, as your um, listeners have, ponder my words after, after I leave the studio and you have to, like, just, you know, keep them going alone. Right. I, want them, I want them to keep in mind, and, and you talk about this all the time, how powerful the marriage is. Don't underestimate the healing power of the relationship, the intensity of the emotional connection, the absolute indescribable benefits that you can get out of staying married. So you've been through the the ringer with infidelity. You may or may not make it through, but your marriage is an incredible resource. Do not take it for granted.
1: Dr. Scott Halsman, love that. that. Don't underestimate your power of your relationship to heal it can work. Appreciate you so much. And again, if you want more information from Dr. Haltzman, you can go to his website, drscott.com. That is the best website ever. So simple. drscott.com. And be looking for his books. He's got three or four books on there right now, plus the new one coming out in Spring, Secrets of Surviving Infidelity. Dr. Haltzman, thanks again. My pleasure, Matt. We'll have you back on for sure to help us with more of the complicated issues of infidelity and just the difficulty sometimes that comes in marriage. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
2: the rest of today's Matt Townsend episode. We heard some difficult words from Dr. Scott Haltzman today. He talked about surviving infidelity in the home and how to salvage relationships from such trauma. And one of the things he talked about was the thing that no one really wants to hear. He gave some tips for recovery and the partner who committed the act needs to be transparent about everything and be honest with their answers to questions and set boundaries and limitations moving forward. But... The person who has been wronged has to forgive. And sometimes that seems like the most difficult and unfair thing to be asked to do. So to finish off today's episode, I'm going to play back a portion of an interview Matt had with Alex Lickman about forgiveness. And this isn't just about forgiving infidelity, but on a broader spectrum. What does it mean to forgive?
1: The, I mean, it seems like forgiveness is the a universal principle of forgiveness. Um, of finding peace. At some point, you're going to be offended by people, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. You can't get through life without people, in some sense, either intentionally or not intentionally hurting you.
1: Yeah. And especially, too, I guess, when it comes down to the fact that you're the one that interprets the offense anyway. Yeah. I mean, it, sure. it, and at some point, you know, there is there is the egregious offender, but a lot of times it's just people being human. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, talk about about forgiveness itself. So what would you say and how do you, what does it mean to forgive? You
0: know, I think the first thing about forgiveness is that it's sort of like if you were to lose your spouse or your parent or even a child where you have this devastating loss and someone were to say to you right away, you know, you should get over this. Yeah, It's kind you know, the, the timing of, of when you prepare yourself to forgive someone matters. The idea that right after somebody uh, harms you or offends you in some way, that you should be able to instantly forgive them without sort of processing all of the uh, other legitimate emotions that you just mentioned. It right. really is, I think, demanding too much of ourselves. That's a great uh, point. It's, it's, you know, you, it's sort of like when you get bad news. You're, you, before you get over it, you have to first be in shock.
1: Yeah. Can it's I just contact. go through shock for a minute? Exactly. Yeah. So, uh,
0: you, you know, the idea, though, is that... Um, at some point, continuing to hold a grudge and to refuse to forgive somebody ends up harming you right. more than the person who's har- who who has harmed you, and therefore is not receiving your forgiveness. And I think that for me, the first step is recognizing that um, by refusing to forgive somebody, I am in some way probably harming myself. Now, it dep- maybe not. You may not. You may really struggle to figure out how you're harming yourself by. Refusing to forgive someone, but if it's somebody, most of the people who harm us in life probably are people who we know
1: already. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: sure. And so we're allowing our lack of forgiveness to harm the relationship. And now it may be a relationship that, uh, you know, we we don't want anymore because we're so harmed by this. On the other hand, it may have been a really good relationship beforehand, and the circumstances may be such that it's just not necessary for us to let that relationship go, or some part of us doesn't want to let that relationship
1: go. I've seen that a lot in married couples when they divorce. You know they—they they know they've been offended. They've kind of, like you were even saying, they—they've gone through and um, kind of uh, what's the word? Like abstracted. They, they made an abstract of their ex-partner as he's just the infidel that right. caused all this pain and ruined his children's life. Um, but it, they really—it's it, these people are more than this. They're yep. not just—they're not just the act that hurt you. They're—they're—they're they're a, they're a bigger. They're a human.
0: Right, and, and that's actually exactly what I, uh, I think is the next step, which is to sort of begin to uh, dial up with yourself about how you are abstracting that person into a, a single act, and you are dismissing and refusing to acknowledge all the other good things that that person uh, may be. Mm-hmm. And, and that to recognize not only that they're a, a fully fledged human being with a full set of dimensions beyond what your refusal to forgive them is painting them as in your own mind, that when you really start to ask yourself or approach the act itself, not sort of from a sense of indignance and, a, and being an offended, but curiosity, right? why did that person do this? To mm. me? Um, and really try to separate yourself as the victim from what that person may have been thinking. But I, I firmly believe that we all really just want to be happy. Sure. And that when we offend somebody or injure them, it's really not because we are malevolent, evil people. That's kind of a child view, I think, yeah. of, of, of people, that people are all good or all bad. We're, we're both. We have the capacity for both. Even the, the most saintly among us can be really uh, behave terribly. Yeah. And, and I, I think that when you, you think of it that way and you realize that when people offend us or hurt us in some sense, they're really just confused. And, and I recognize this takes... A tremendous uh, sense of or uh, degree of compassion and broad-minded thinking that many people may either uh, dismiss entirely or not be capable of. Mm-hmm. But to recognize that when people sort of intentionally harm someone else for what, whatever their surface reason may appear to be, ultimately they do it because they think they need to, to be happy, mm-hmm. and in thinking that they're just really confused. You know, since they're kind of like children. Like, yeah. you know, I thought I needed to uh, badmouth you uh, because I. I was with a group of people I wanted to impress. Well, yeah, that's really yeah. kind of just
1: sad. It reminds me, it's the dog that feels compelled to have to bite the hand that feeds it because, you know, it was stepped on or it was, it, it's, it's almost just reactive, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. the most natural, almost chemical reaction would be to attack. Right. Uh, even if it's not the, the most healthy right. response. Right.
0: And we all behave way, in ways that we regret or that we don't have control over at the moment and, yeah. and would rather not have done. And Or even if we think we were justified, um, as the person who was harmed, I find that if I can discover within myself what I sort of think of as my larger self, my supremely loving and wide self, and look at that person as really just a confused person who's, who does not realize that what they're doing is not going to make them happier. They think it will, hmm. but it, it doesn't. That helps me to that helps me to get to the first step where I can actually forgive them. And, and you ask me, you know, what do I mean by forgiveness? You know, I don't think to forgive necessarily means what they did was okay.
1: Right, yeah, and right. I think a
0: lot of people are reluctant to forgive because they think it means they're saying what you did was okay.
1: Yeah, then there won't be justice, mean, right, yeah.
0: Yeah, it does not mean that at all. It just means you're no longer going to allow the way you think of them to, to be defined by this one harmful act that they committed against you. You're going to say it's okay, I am moving on in my heart. That doesn't also mean, by the way, that you have to reconstitute the relationship the way it was. Right, Maybe exactly. It will be that that act reveals this person as somebody who you just don't want to be associated with. That's
1: fine. You bet. That's such a, um, you keep saying, it's a, big, it's a big thing, but it's also, it, it seems like a spiritual thing to kind of know, You you said you go to your supreme and loving self. You find your larger self. I guess that would presuppose that we've gone there before, that we know... Our our higher self, we or we know the higher the yeah. the, the higher supreme and loving self we want to be. Well,
0: yeah, and and I think actually, uh, not to make this, I, I think we can make the, this easier than it maybe sounds. Yeah. and so for example, you know, um, we forgive children their transgressions because mm-hmm. we understand they don't they don't know any better. Yeah, and we may be angry at them, but we ultimately say, well, you know, he was just six. Yeah, he doesn't know any better. Or we forgive dogs their transgressions, sure. their animals, because they don't know any better. And it's it's not necessary that you have to sort of grab hold of some, you know, uh, supremely spiritual and enlightened and loving sure. self that you may not be able to find. But just it's a matter of, of um, context and perspective. And to view, you know, we we are tricked into thinking that the adults who we deal with are um, equally wise. And, yeah. and, and behave, you know, always esteemably. We know that's not true. Just because someone wears an adult form does not mean their thinking is that of an adult and, and is uh, sophisticated or compassionate as it should be. And uh, I try to not, not let myself be fooled and recognize that, that, you know, people have their own fears, their own anxieties, their own reactions that are not optimal, and I may have gotten in the way of somebody in a way, in a way that, you know, caused them to harm me in some way. And um, it really comes down to my own thinking and my mindset, getting into a mindset of sort of understanding that people are imperfect and forgiving them their faults. And also what helps me, too, is when I really look at myself and and ask myself, do I think I could never have done something like that? Sure. Or done, if not that, maybe some other yeah. terrible thing.
1: Have I ever yeah. done anything near yeah. that? Yeah. But yeah. The, the, yeah, then we're kind of, ah, no, I would never do that. Um, yeah. The uh, there's a great quote by Napoleon Bonaparte that says, uh, Never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by incompetence.
0: Mm, that's great.
1: Isn't that awesome? Because <laughs> so, we, go, we go malicious, right? We think it's malicious that they did it, but really they're probably just incompetent.
0: Well, and, and honestly, they might be malicious, but yeah. if they're malicious, it's because of some, you know... The, yeah, th- they, think maybe, they, yeah. They, they think they need to harm you, in uh-huh. some sense, to make themselves happy. And that's just, if you really boil it down to that formula, it really kind of becomes ridiculous.
1: It, it, it's, but it's, it's still a choice. That's what's kind of interesting yeah, about the quote, yeah. too, is that he, he, he suggests you get to attribute it. So yeah, whether it's out right. of anger and maliciousness or just incompetency that they don't know how to manage their own reaction to the situation, right. whatever it is, is, it's still your choice. And there's so much power, because yep. it seems like a lot of people that are in a forgiveness dilemma, they, they, they lack the power, even though the power is inside of them to change these feelings. They, yeah. they almost don't think they have that power to do it.
0: Well, and that's another important point. You don't actually have to change your feelings, because I don't think we have that kind of control, right? You change your thinking, your attitude, your thoughts about it. And when you find yourself feeling vengeful and angry again, you can remind yourself and just actually even speak aloud or into your own head. uh, You know, they're just incompetent. This this is an incompetent person who made a really dumb choice and ended up harming me, but really because they're confused.
1: Oh, it's such a great topic. We're talking again with Dr. Alex Lickerman.